You're listening to the IRE Radio Podcast. IRE with you on your beat for 40 years. This week, reporting on a story that hits close to home. I'm George Varney. On this episode, we're following Jason Palladino, who investigated the circumstances surrounding the death of his friend and Navy sailor Brian Collins. Collins was a crewman assigned to a helicopter squadron in Virginia, Palladino a student in the UC Berkeley investigative reporting program. In early January 2014, Collins was killed when his helicopter crashed into the ocean on a training mission off the coast of Norfolk, Virginia. Paladino would turn from grieving friend to journalist, but even so, he wondered if there was anything there. Helicopters are dangerous. What's, what's the story? That question would lead Paladino to another reporter, Mike Hixenbaugh, the Virginian pilot. From opposite sides of the country, they worked together to expose problems with the Navy's oldest, most crash-prone helicopter, the Sea Dragon. Their work would eventually gain national exposure on NBC Nightly News. But there's a story that doesn't appear on air or in print, one we'll be talking about today. This one involves a journalism student pitching a story about his lost friend and traveling across the country to make it happen. January 8th of, of last year, uh, I'm actually, I was actually in Korea on a reporting trip um, with another J school student. And I got word that uh, he had been killed in a helicopter crash. And, uh, you know, my first reaction was helicopters are dangerous. This, this happens. I mean, it's, this is awful and horrible, but I, you know, I didn't, I had no indication at that point that, that there was anything, you know, that it was that anything more than just a, a terrible accident. That voice you just heard was Jason Palladino, a journalism grad student at the University of California, Berkeley. He was talking about his friend, Petty Officer Third Class Brian Collins, who was one of five sailors aboard the Sea Dragon one January morning in 2014. Old wiring rubbed against a fuel line, sparking a fire inside the helicopter after it had been flying over the Atlantic for over an hour. It took only 20 seconds for the enormous helicopter to plummet tail first into the ocean. Collins was probably killed on impact. The co-pilot, Lieutenant Sean Snyder, also died at the scene. Three other sailors were rescued by helicopter and taken to a hospital in Norfolk, Virginia. Lieutenant Wes Van Dorn later died of his injuries. Paladino heard the news and made it back stateside for his friend's funeral. They'd grown up together in Truckee, a small town in the Sierra Nevada mountains of California. This is somebody that I grew up with. you know, I, I worked multiple jobs with this kid. Um, he uh, went into the Navy trying to be a Navy SEAL, um, kind of, you know, got out of that program, and they, they placed him in this um, Sea Dragon program, which he was totally happy with. The program is based out of Naval Station Norfolk, the largest naval complex in the world. We'll get into more details about the Sea Dragon program later, but for now, here's what you need to know. The Sea Dragon program is a anti-mine countermeasures uh helicopter program and basically what that means is it's it's a helicopter that drags a mine sweeping sled through the water so you've got this huge helicopter biggest helicopter in the navy um, and it pulls this sled about the size of like a ford f-350 pickup truck through the water um, and that that sled uh takes out mines using uh 
giant magnets and, and other things. It basically simulates the hull of a ship. And then when it finds a mine, the mine explodes and, uh, you know, you can easily clear mines that way. Working with the Virginian pilot newspaper and NBC, Palandino found that the Sea Dragon helicopter had a mishap rate three times that of any other aircraft, that the Navy was aware of problems but slow to make real changes, ones that might have saved the lives of sailors like Brian. The first traces of reporting started at Brian's funeral. You know, when I talked to his widow, she she heard a few things. You know, he'd come home and he'd sort of say... Um, you know, there's, there's some sketchy things going on in this, in this program. Uh, and they, I mean, he didn't think too much of it. I don't think, I mean, I, I really didn't talk to him before, um, all too much. He, he, he'd only been at the point where he was flying for, um, for not that long, but basically I started hearing really the talk about how dangerous this, this helicopter was, um, after, after he died in the crash. Brian's wife, Cheyenne, was from nearby North Lake Tahoe. She had a feeling that would echo again and again as Palladino continued his reporting. This wasn't an unavoidable accident. It was a wrongful death. Brian's life was very wrongfully taken from him way too soon. And that he had so much more to live for. And he just knew he already had the idea in his head and he was going for it. There was no stopping him. That was Cheyenne in an interview with NBC after the accident. At Brian's funeral, rumors began circulating among the families of the fallen. Palandino paid attention. I kept hearing stories about the state of maintenance and how, you know, there's, there are huge problems in this squadron with maintenance. At that point, Palandino only had rumors, but he began investigating, thinking there might be some substance behind the speculations. He contacted the Naval Safety Center. Which is sort of like an internal investigations uh, safety manager office in the Navy and and I'd gotten some statistics that that did show that the Sea Dragon helicopter specifically had was three times as likely to crash um, during training or, or because of an accident than other aircraft. Palladino had some doubts going into the investigation. Was he too close? His reporting was born out of grief. He knew it would be hard to approach the story like other reporters would with a clean slate. But he eventually decided to pitch the story to Berkeley's investigative reporting program and, after several rounds of interviews, won a $10,000 scholarship to report out the piece. In the process, he began looking for anyone who had covered the program in the past. As far as I could tell, there was only one person who was also looking into this, and his name was Mike Hixenbaugh at the Virginia Pilot. My name is Mike Hixenbaugh. Uh, I'm a military reporter here at the Virginian Pilot. Hixenbaugh had been looking into the Sea Dragons for as long as he'd been a military reporter at the paper. My first day on the military job in 2012, I, I, uh, my editor asked me to put in a Freedom of Information Act request for a crash investigation into a, a helicopter that had crashed uh, two days prior. And uh, I, wouldn't, I didn't realize it until more than a year later that this was going to be a significant story for over the course of several years, because um, it was when a, a sea dragon had gone down in, in Oman. It was standard practice for the pilot to put in a FOIA request for the Jagman or the Judge Advocate General Manual after every mishap, 
which is the military's term for plane crash, a jet crash, helicopter goes down, a ship collides with something. After the January 2014 crash, Higginsball went through newspaper archives, Defense Department papers, and talked to former commanding officers of the squadron. As he dug, Higginsball learned the reason the Navy was keeping these helicopters, helicopters they knew had a mishap rate three times higher than normal. The Navy wanted to change the way they uh, hunt for sea mines, and so they um, they were going to outfit all these smaller helicopters, MH-60s, with mine hunting gear, and they were going to put them on ships all over the world so they could clear a minefield at any time, as opposed to these really big helicopters we have that have to be from a, a shore base command. Uh, but what happened was the, the small helicopter couldn't pull the, the gear. It wasn't strong enough. They, the engineers didn't plan it out well, I guess. Hicksonbaugh found that after the Navy's plan fell through in 2004-2005, it tried to replace the air-based minesweepers with underwater robots and lasers. Trouble with that is that program is also years behind schedule and way over budget, and so it's, it's you know, another five or ten years before that will be a viable replacement. And what that means for the Sea Dragons is that the helicopter that was scheduled to be removed from service in 2004 is now planned for use until 2024, and it gets worse. Once you signal to the defense industry that you're going to do away with an aircraft or a piece of equipment, they start shutting down those, those uh, parts lines where they build parts, replacement parts for that aircraft. So let's recap. The helicopters are old, they're difficult to fix, and finding parts for them is a challenge. And again, there's more bad news. Hicksonbaugh and Paladino were later leaked an email chain that showed the Navy was considering buying old Sea Dragons that Japan was trying to get rid of for parts, even going so far as to consider building a working helicopter from the pieces of several scrapped ones. Here's Paladino. That's problematic for a number of reasons. I mean, uh, one, this is totally like unprecedented with, with the U.S. armed services. You know, we're, we're usually selling our old stuff to other nations, it's it's rarely it rarely happens the other way. And uh, the other thing was, a few of these helicopters that we were thinking about buying may have had radiation damage um, because they used them to respond to the Fukushima disaster. Except for the Fukushima detail, which came later, Hicksonbaugh published a story following the January crash that provided the historical context of the Sea Dragon program. And then he got a text from Nicole Van Dorn, the wife of one of the sailors killed in the same crash as Brian Collins. Nicole was impressed with the story, and she wanted to talk. Really, that's what propelled this beyond just a standard mid-range little look at this helicopter program. Nicole said her husband Wes had been voicing concerns over the state of maintenance of the Sea Dragon program for years, and he had been personally documenting the many issues with the program. What especially concerned Wes was the unknown. He wouldn't fly a helicopter he knew wasn't safe, but with an aging aircraft, there was a lot that could possibly go wrong, things that the maintainer couldn't check for. Wes wrote private essays about the problems he encountered and would frequently talk with his wife about them. And so he would frequently, you know, text home to her on late nights. They had two young kids, and he'd write to her saying, Nicole, I'm going to be late. I'm going to miss dinner again, uh, but i got to make sure this helicopter doesn't kill me. And she'd write back, yeah, let's focus on the not dying. From opposite sides of the country, Paladino and Hicksonbaugh worked to paint a picture of the Sea Dragon's failings. Paladino spent the first six months trying to report the story from the West Coast. It was frustrating, trying to earn sources' trust over the phone. 
He'd weekly editorial meetings with instructors Lowell Bergman and Tim McGurk at the investigative reporting program, and for those first months, he didn't have much to tell them. Then, in September 2014, Paladino flew out to Norfolk. The Navy had scheduled a press conference to release its report on the January crash. After that, Paladino would fly to Norfolk every few months to do on-the-ground reporting, meeting sources in person and making sure they were safe. A few of the things that we were leaked, people could get in, in quite a bit of trouble for leaking, so we just wanted to make sure we were providing them with adequate protection. To accomplish this, Paladino applied lessons he'd learned in operational security and encrypted email. So I took it upon myself to, to really train um, the more sensitive sources how to use uh, uh, PGP encrypted email systems um, just to add another layer of protection. I mean, I'm not naive enough to think that, you know, if something really did happen and the Navy wanted to come down on the leakers, they wouldn't still know. But at least uh, it offered a little bit of peace of mind. Key pieces of their reporting came from leaked documents, like a confidential internal report, which made recommendations kept from the public. From that, they learned that the Naval Safety Center didn't want the Sea Dragons flying without a full inspection. The documents were crucial to the investigation, but the soul of the story came from human sources. A stack of damning documents is, is only so powerful, and if you're not able to find that human story that shows the cost or, you know, reveals um, something about people and the, the human side of a, an issue, then it's not going to go very far. It was Nicole's powerful voice and Paladino's personal connection that got NBC's attention. My name is Anna Schechter, and I'm a producer in the investigative unit at NBC News. Schechter was assigned to the story after an executive flew out to California to meet with Lowell Bergman and hear Paladino's pitch. Once the partnership was underway, Schechter was introduced to Nicole Van Dorn and the other widows and connected with the Navy's public affairs office. With NBC on board, the Navy opened up. The team was granted access to Navy facilities, personnel, and the helicopters themselves. NBC's Cynthia McFadden was given an interview with the leader of the Sea Dragon program, Captain Tom Flannery. And even before Cynthia sat down with Captain Flannery, actually, he was very open about walking up to the helicopters and he and Cynthia walked up right inside, and we were able to capture all of that on tape. Here's a clip from that interview. A new helicopter is always nice. Uh, it is. But this helicopter is, is safe to fly. Having said the importance of its mission, the Sea Dragon has a terrible safety record. It does, and that's unfortunate. When I talked to Paladino last month, NBC had just published a story about the initial impact of the reporting. The response has basically been that NAVAIR has released uh, uh, a new guidance, basically, for, for the H-53s, um, which are the helicopters. And they've actually deployed inspection teams um, all over the world to these, to these bases to basically train maintainers how to do this one, this, this certain piece of maintenance. Um, so it's, it's been a... It's been a really interesting, I mean, it's been really satisfying to see that there's this, this work is actually having this impact. Um, you know, uh, I don't know, I guess a part of me was, was just kind of thinking that nothing would really change the culture inside this program. And I feel like this is a step in the right direction that, you know, you know we're actually demanding that people pay attention to these problems. 
You can read the full story as well as the follow-up pieces through the links in our show notes available at ire.org podcast. As always, if you have any questions or comments about the podcast, IRE, or anything else, our inbox is always open. IRE web editor Sarah Hutchins edits the podcast, and she can be reached at web at ire.org. Additional editing on this episode was done by IRE Sean Shinneman, who is also a regular contributor to the podcast. He can be reached at Sean S, that's S-H-A-W-N-S, at ire.org. Or you can reach me at George V, that's G-E-O-R-G-E-V, at ire.org. That's it for this episode. From Columbia, Missouri, I'm George Varney. Podcast. Podcast.